What's going on guys? Blake here. Before the podcast begins, I want to quickly say that this is a very, very long podcast, so bear with us here as there is a lot of uh, content to come here. Uh, It will be split up into two different parts because of how much we were releasing at once. We are discussing our top uh, 10 potential prospects at at 31 and uh, review our overall thoughts on those prospects. So uh, please bear with us. This is the part one of two. We talk about our first five guys, and we will talk about the next five guys tomorrow on the next episode. But I just want to let you guys know that, as well as also saying that my mic's a little bit messed up in this podcast. I have a lot of uh, a lot of moments where I'm a little bit louder than everyone else. I try to fix it as much as possible, but I will go ahead and warn you guys. For some people that have headphones in, maybe you want to turn them down a little bit during my parts because there are a couple of occasions where I went a little bit too loud. But aside from that, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. as our other friend and occasional host of this podcast, Nathan Amsden. What's going on, you guys? How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Um, How about yourself? Doing fantastic. How are you, Will? You know, I'm doing great. I I enjoyed Nathan's Zoom propaganda before this. I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm in a good mood. I made a podcast. New recording system. So let's hope this works out because I got a better mic. Should be good. Let's hope. Let's hope this works. We'll see, of course. But we have some NFL draft things to talk about i guess right because uh last episode if you guys haven't already listened you should go back and listen william james and i together we recapped the Bengals free agency of 2022 we left you out nathan sorry about that but we did get the free agency recaps of course the additions of lyle collins uh ted karras alex kappa all on the offensive line as well as the additions of bj hill uh, with a lot of other re-signings. So Cincinnati's loaded up in free agency a bunch, but we're all scout dudes as well. We literally have a group chat on Instagram called Scouter Dudes. So we're going to we're gonna recap some possible options, some possible, um, I guess, draft picks at pick 31 right now, which is, the, of course, the, the draft position the Cincinnati Bengals currently hold. So we have 10 prospects that we're going to discuss and I think cover today. I think we all kind of agreed upon those 10 guys as potential options for Cincinnati, at least right now at 31. And I think we're going to, hopefully give our each of our scouting opinions on each guy uh right now so we have an entire list of guys that we kind of i guess all came up with together uh and i think the first guy that come up on this list is a guy that i think we're all big fans of and actually on nathan's twitter he just recapped what he did to, uh, or he recapped his uh i guess um how do I explain this? His film review, I guess, on, on a guy. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback from Clemson, uh, is a guy that I think we all have our eyes on at 31. I think he's a really potential fun prospect that we can really discuss and talk about here right now. I love, I know both of us are big, all three of us are big fans of, of Booth. Um, I think for, for me, I feel like he's, he's just a really solid all-around corner. Um, you know, every draft we hear guys are pro-ready corners, they're complete corners, they're all-around players. But I talked about this with um, a person on Twitter, Cale uh, Hadley, um, that, you know, like pro, pro-ready pro corners, they're talked, a lot, talked, a lot, talked about a lot, but they're not really as common as you think they are. Like a lot of the times people that – corners that aren't complete are talked about being complete when they're not. 
But in Booth's case, he's definitely an all-round, completely ready cornerback. He's aggressive. He's very good in the run game. He's a willing participant, which is something you don't see a lot in corners. He's, um, he's very good at man coverage. He's very difficult to shake. And he's very athletic with very fluid hips, which makes him just very difficult to separate from in any type of coverage. Yeah, I am – since I've scouted Booth in, like, what, October, something like that, I, I've been probably the biggest Booth fan on the planet. He's my cornerback one, fourth highest graded player in the entire class in general. Um, all, all these skills in my goal can be seen on Nathan's Twitter, that, of course. Go, go help my boy out. But, I mean, Andrew Booth, he just does everything, you know. Um, if you're throwing a screen near him, he's going to blow it up. Receivers can't block him. He's too fast. Money backs can't really shake him. By the time they really get the ball and look up, there's Andrew Booth. Like Nathan said, he, he's athletic, good length, good speed. Uh, he plays aggressive, which is something I personally love in the corners. Some may not love it. I love aggressive corners. Um, plays with effort, great tackler. He's a willing tackler, like Nathan said. I mean, he's, he's everywhere, you know. The only real, I guess you call it a weakness to Booth, it's not really a, like he's like weak, like he's not strong, but I do worry about him press sometimes, seeing these bigger outside corners, you know, kind of kind of mess with them. I feel like had George Pickens, the Georgia receiver, been healthy in their first round, I guess first game season meeting, we've really got to see Booth play a really big receiver that's a really just tough guy. But nevertheless, I mean, pretty much everybody Booth has faced, he's 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 been a lead against and I just Booth is my number one option at 31 he, he would be a slam dunk if we draft him I don't care what happens that's the way the draft's gonna get an A plus for me so Booth's my board building on that point about his pressing um I have a I have like a very similar concern for me I don't necessarily I don't know how I feel about him you know actually doing press press coverages and jamming receivers, what I'm more concerned about is if he's willing to do them. If he's to me, to me on tape, I feel like every time he shows press, he always bails. He rarely ever actually presses. I don't know if maybe it's the scheme in uh, Clemson calling him. I mean, telling him to just you know bail all the time, show press and bail. I don't know if it's confidence thing. Maybe he doesn't feel like he'll be able to knock a receiver off his route. I don't know what it is, but on tape, he always bails when he shows press. I never, I feel like I've rarely ever seen him actually engage in jamming a receiver. And that is a little concerning to me. However, that's my only concern I've ever noticed with Booth. I'll say one more thing and then let Blake do his talking. Um, I, just touching on a point real quick. I do think Booth's a willing guy to play press. You know, I think what we see him play physical in the run game, you know, blowing up screens and stuff. I think he's definitely willing. I'm going to go off the limb and what I hope, and that it's part of Clemson's scheme. I definitely think Booth is too athletic and overall just too much of a high effort, cliche, but a high motor guy um, to kind of be scared to press. But I don't know. I mean, hopefully at the next level, you know, in a ideally a loop defense, we get to see him press a little bit. Great stuff. Um, let's talk about his player profile real quick. I mean, Andrew Booth is a former five-star corner who came straight to Clemson, of course, fairly highly scouted, uh, highly touted at corner ever since he was in high school, really. Uh, six foot flat tall, 194 pounds. Um, he's only a junior, so still relatively young for a cornerback right now. Uh, and you guys mentioned it. This is a guy that has is, is a very, very versatile player, right? I think, he's a, I think he can fit in several schemes. I think he's 
he's good in man coverage. I would, I'd probably actually lean towards him and being better in man coverage, but I also think he's going to be a very capable zone corner next level as well. I think he can do both at great levels. Very, very good ball skills for a cornerback as well. We see he makes some ridiculous catches and plays on the ball um, several times. And I think what we all kind of agreed on as one of our favorite things about Booth is his open field tackling and ability to really sniff out screens. I know I saw it from Nathan's, um, film review on, on Twitter. I mean, he posted like three or four different, different plays that, I mean, all can have the exact, exact same, like uh, exact same um, explanation, I guess. It, it's just that you can't throw a screen against Andrew Booth. He's going to sniff it out. He's going to find a way to get around it. He's going to get a great tackle. Uh, we, we see that with prospects like Denzel Ward in the past, who are really, really good and well, well touted at, at being able to sniff out screens and make great tackles. Andrew Booth is another one of those guys that really, if you're going to be Andrew Booth, you're going to have to probably beat him beat deep. And I think for a guy that's really has to depress like how booth is you nathan you mentioned that he bails on a lot of presses this is a guy that's going to force you to keep the ball in front of him and he's gonna be able to make the tackle in space which is what i really really like about booth is his ability to just really keep the ball in front of him and make the play whenever it's there All right, so let's move on to the next prospect, I guess, since we're done talking about that. Good good stuff there talking about recapping Booth. And I think, I don't know if we've all agreed, but is, is this your number one guy on your big board right now at 31? Are, are you guys all, you know, number one Andrew Booth fans, or is there other guys that you might want to put ahead of him? Booth by a mile. Um, I don't think I've really decided yet, or not, not necessarily decided, but I'm still conflicted. I feel, I still... I'm still conflicted between Booth, Linderbaum, and Ojabo. Assuming all of them are there, I don't know who I'd take first. But those are definitely all the tier one guys. Anything below them, um, I wouldn't consider. If they're on the board, I'm taking one of them. If all three of them are on the board, I'd have a tough time deciding. All right. That's a, that's a very fair point. Uh, we're going to stick with cornerback, I think, since it's easier for us to just be able to uh, – um, I guess stay on the corner or the corner, I guess, uh, discussion right now. And we'll talk about another guy that I think we have a couple of differing opinions on this time around, Kyer Elam, uh, the cornerback from Florida, of course. Uh, I know there are different sides to this story, so I'm interested to see how this, how this conversation goes. This, probably, this might be one of the longer ones we, we discuss, but very, very good size for Kyer Elam. I believe he's about, what, six foot three, I think. Um, pretty, pretty fast, tested pretty well, all things considered. I really do think that Elam is a guy that is going to be a good, I think, fit for Luan Ramos' scheme. The ability to play both man and zone is a big advantage for Kyer Elam. And I do think, though, uh, I do we do have some concerns with his tackling ability being not as aggressive as the average corner, like how Andrew Booth is. I do think he has very, very good capabilities in in coverage. I think he can be a future cornerback one, which is something I think I might be a little bit more concerned about with Booth since he's a little smaller compared to the bigger X receivers. I do think Elam is very capable of, of covering the X and possibly being another good option at 31 for the Bengals if they want to get a true corner back one and match up with Chidobe Ougier. I feel like I'm pretty impartial on this right here. On uh, Twitter, Elam is starting to gain a lot of steam, and he's he's right alongside with Booth as the favorite option for 31, at least from what I've seen, especially with uh, Bengals Sands, or is it Mike Sands? I don't know his, his Twitter username. But anyways, a lot of guys are really starting to hop on the train um, Will, on the flip side, is the exact opposite. He doesn't like him at all. I feel like I'm that happy middle right in between. I'm not really I'm, – I'm just kind of impartial on it. I, I wouldn't dislike the pick, but I wouldn't really like it. It wouldn't be my favorite. I feel like 
Elam has a lot of tools you can build off of. He's got really good size, really good length. Um, as you mentioned, he's got good cover skills. But I, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm just right in the middle. I don't really, he's not a guy that really wows me like Booth does. So I got some problems with Elam, right? I got, I got some problems. Um, anybody who doesn't know, I don't talk scouting with. I'm low on Elam. I'm very low on Elam. And there's a few reasons why. I'll get to my two main ones right here. Um, so Elam doesn't play a lot of press, right? Which you can – I think he has press upside, right? I'm not saying he can't play press. He, he's big. He's fast. Whatever. He's an upside for that. Probably more press – up in terms of just straight press, more upside than a guy like Booth, maybe, just because he's bigger, like Blake said. But I guess it's just the Florida scheme and Todd Grantham, their defense coordinator, is not, a good, not very good at his job, so it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. When he doesn't play press, right, you know, he's going to get some catches, right? And when you're a natural guy that's not playing press, that's fine. That happens. But there are two things with Elam that if you don't play a lot of press, which, again, he gets press upside, but at Florida, he hasn't done a ton. When you don't play a lot of press, there are two things you have to have. Effort, have had a whole lot of effort, and he has to be a good tackler. Elam lacks both, right? Um there are a lot of plays that Elam I see. He had one really bad one in Georgia and a little bit of a touchdown this year um, where he can definitely use the speed to check somebody down. He can make a play on the ball, and he just chooses not to. And I, this is going to be a really weird comparison. I'm not really comparing them as players, more just their aspect because Elam is probably a better prospect than this guy was and just bigger. But when William Jackson was here this last year, there was no effort with it. That drove me crazy. I don't really know if I can put so much faith into a guy that really doesn't show a lot of effort. And, and again, that's a weird comparison. I get that, but it's solely effort, not anything else, just solely effort. That's a good comparison, in my opinion. Um, the other thing is his tackling, right? When he is a willing tackler, I'm not saying it's kind of inconsistent. Some games are like, yeah, I'm going to blow this play. Some games are like, eh, I'll let him come to me and we'll see what happens with it. When he does feel like being a willing tackler, he, he's, not a, he's not a bad tackler. He doesn't, you know, whiff all over the place, but he's definitely, I wouldn't call him a good tackler. I wouldn't call him a great tackler by any means. He's an okay tackler. And again, you know, if you're going to, you know, give guys some space in line of scrimmage and you're going to, you know, make them keep the ball in front of you, which is also a problem with uh, Elam at times, you got to wrap up. You got to tackle. You know, you got to get to the point of the ball, find the ball, and tackle. I don't know. It just – I feel like Elam, what he does and doesn't do well just doesn't mix, you know. He has some qualities of, like, a, ta- a corner view that's going to be a really good tackler and be pretty physical with his size. And I, I, I just don't see it. I just feel like – He's not built for his play style. And it, it, I mean, he's got upside, but I just don't really want to bang on it. He just It just boggles my mind how he just plays so far away from how he's built and so far away from his physical strengths. I think we should all say we, we all had top, I think, what, 20 grades on, on Booth at least. I know both Booth is both Will and I's cornerback two right now, right, I, b- I believe. Uh, I think Nathan has Booth as cornerback, cornerback three. three. Yeah, three. okay. Yes, behind so, Sauce and Stingley. Yeah, so I think we're all very, very high on Boo. That should be noted. Uh, I, I got an important question because I have an 88.8 on Kyrie Elam, which in, in my grading sheet matches out to be a you know pretty late first, I think. Um, but I, I believe Nathan also has a first rounder on on Elam. Uh, let me ask, what, what are you guys' what are you guys' round projections? What do you think he Kyrie Elam is worth drafting right now? I know we're talking about him being an option for the Bengals at 31, but where do you value him in terms of how good he is as a prospect? Um, for me, I I'm. I mentioned this to Blake before, not not on a podcast or anything, but I mentioned to him that I'm trying to move away from numbers and like, you know, 
this player's an 84 prospect, this player's a 70. So you get the point. I'm trying to get to more projection base and less you know, number base. And I, I think he's probably a top of the first, I mean, top of the second round type of player. I don't, I don't know if I really trust him at the, well, I mean, it's, it's pick 31. So it basically is the top of the second, but it's a, it's a little rich. Again, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I'm impartial on this, so I wouldn't dislike the pick. I wouldn't like it either, though. Um, and real quick, before we get to Will, I want to piggyback off of what he said about pressing. The one thing that should really be emphasized about Elam is he's a really he's he's really good in press. Like he's really good at press. He has a variety of different press techniques and moves he can use on a receiver to disrupt their timing and knock them off their routes, knock them off their balance, take them out of a play. He's he's very technical with it. He's good. He's very there, There's no other way to explain it. He's just very, really good at, you know, executing presses. However, like Will said, when he's not in a press, his play noticeably decreases. So... You know, we're all smart guys here, right? Um, but I- I'm pretty far off on the uh, uh, first round thing. I've got a 83.7, I think it is on, somewhere in that range, give or take like 0.5. Don't quote me on that exact number, but somewhere in that range, which is like a late second. I, I think it's late second. I don't think it's not. Either. I think it's a late second for me on Elam. Again, just I feel like he if he played to his strengths, like, like I said, he's an incredible press player. He's got good size. I think he has great press upside, and if he can, you know, if a coach can get the effort out of him, get the tackling out of him, then, you know, he's going to be a, a pretty good pro, right? A solid pro, good pro, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I'm just not willing to bank on it because effort is something that it, – it, it's hard to get into a guy, you know? It's definitely coachable. It's not like it's speed or anything, but due to all these concerns I have and how I just don't think he plays to his size, which is a cliche I'm use a lot during the draft process, um, late seconds where I'm out on uh, Elam, not Bruce. Personally, I see Kai or Elam as mainly one of those guys that you kind of throw in as a potential zone coverage guy. But I do think he's versatile and being able to also play man due to his ability to press, as Nathan mentioned. Um, I, I do agree with Will's assessment. I do think I, I worry about his tackling abilities. We, we kind of saw that several times. That was also a big uh, a big problem with C.J. Henderson, of course, uh, a couple of years back in the draft as well. And, you know, he ended up not panning out, I think, exactly the way people were hoping. So I do see that cause for concerns. I do think almost the exact opposite of Booth. I think if you're going against Kai or Elam, you want to put the ball in front of him and force him to make a tackle, make a play in front of the ball because he struggles at it. He, he really doesn't do it at a high level. And I agree with Will. I, I did notice that in, in the scouting, in the film review that I watched through Kai or Elam, watched both the Georgia games in 2020, 2021, I remember in specific, where that was a noticeable, pro- noticeable problem uh, in his film, also the Alabama game in 2020, I did notice that was, uh, you know, not the best game as well. Um, I, I do think Kyer Elam has a lot, a lot of potential with his size. I mean, six foot one and a half is what he came in as actually. So six foot three was maybe, you know, putting that a little too high for him. But 191, very, very good size for a corner, uh, a little bit bigger than, than Booth, I think, which gives him the ability to be more of a press coverage kind of guy um, because he is a, a wider or a, a 
similar in, in weight, but overall a little bit longer, a little bit taller. I do think it does help him in being able to be physica- physical on the outside against other wide receivers. And I think it, it allows him to be where he's not getting oversized and, and outplayed in consistent catch situations, which I do think is something that could be cause for concern for Andrew Booth uh, next year in, uh, in the NFL, of course. But for Kyrie Elam, since he's a little bit longer, a little bit taller, I do think he's going to be able to bat down some balls uh, a little bit easier than Andrew Booth. But, you know, there is a question mark with the tackling the effort. I still think that given all of his abilities and coverage combined, I think you look at his ability to play in zone. I think he's, like, like Nathan said, pretty good and pressed when it comes to being able to at least play in coverage. He's he's fast enough, athletic enough to be able to stick with the wide receiver when need be. And I do think he's smart enough to be able to read the quarterback's eyes. And, and kind of like Booth, um, has pretty solid ball, ball skills. He's able to, you know, f- find the uh, find the mistakes the quarterback makes and get to the ball quickly and, and make a nice catch. Uh, I, I do think that there are some good, good parts to his game, but there are some concerns, unlike Andrew Booth, who I think is a very versatile corner, right? I don't think Kyer Elam is as versatile as an Andrew Booth, but I do think he's capable under the right scheme. So moving on to the next cornerback, I think we have on this list. So I was very tempted to put Roger McCreary and Trent McDuffie. And, and let me clarify before I say this, uh, I think both of them are, are very fine corners. I, I do think both of them are pretty good. I just really struggle to see the fit with them in Cincinnati. Both of them are a little bit smaller. I feel like both are primarily going to be slot guys next level. So the last corner I kind of put on this list is Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from uh, Washington, which is a guy that I think, again, we're going to have an interesting conversation here about because I do think – uh, our, our opinions on, on Kyler Gordon are a little bit different, but I do think he is a guy that's in play for 31, even though he's not the most athletic guy, uh, even though he wasn't even the best corner on his team, in my opinion. I do think Trick McDuffie was better throughout the season. Uh, I still think Kyler Gordon could be a very solid option for the Bengals, maybe not at 31, but especially in a trade down, I think he would make a lot of sense for the Bengals to pick with our first pick in the draft. Yeah, Gordon is... I'm not a very big fan of him. Um, similar to Elon, though, I wouldn't. At 31, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't like it. I'd probably dislike it. But I'm getting Gordon early on, not necessarily at 31. Like you said, we might trade back. Getting Gordon early on at some point, um, I wouldn't really be the biggest fan of it. Similar to Elon, but again, I wouldn't hate it just like Elon. Because I feel like he's another one of these high upside guys. Um, he's not Wolin athletic, uh, Tariq Wolin athletic, but he's definitely in a, a more athletic corner. He's not necessarily, like you said, McDuffie was probably the better corner on Washington. Um, but I feel like with Gordon, he's he fits the, the, what we're building here, what we have on the defense pretty well. And he's got... He's got the uh, he's got the the size and the athleticism to develop into something good. I just I don't I don't know if I like what I see on the field. So this is fun. This is interesting. Where Nathan is on Elam in kind of the mediocre range, like eh, he he's okay, I guess. That's I'm on Kyler Gordon, right? I, I think Gordon's got you know he got good size, you know. I, I agree with what Blake said that McDuffie was better, but I also agree with him saying that he's more of a slot. My McDuffie player comp is Mike Hilton. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Gordon is, uh, I guess, technically like Elam. Uh, is a good fit for the Bengals, good on scheme. Um, he just – I don't know if he really has – like, I don't know if he really doesn't, like, really pops out to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't see, like, one specific quality. Or maybe I'm, I'm just completely missing something that's possible, totally possible. But – 
I don't really see one quality. I'm like, whoa, hold on. That's a really big strength. But on the flip side, I don't really see like a true weakness in them. You know, I, you know, I, there's nothing where I look at and say, yeah, that, that's off. You know, I, I just don't know, you know, if that can be a big pro problem. I, I don't really see it. I think Gordon's solid. I think he does everything pretty solid. He's, he's not a relatively good physical build. He doesn't go to upside. Well, I like him in round one. I mean, it, it depends on who I was there. Um, <laughs> but on, on a little 10-player list we're going to go over this podcast, Gordon's probably 9 or 10, you know. Well, well, I like it under most circumstances, no, but it, it just depends on who's all there. I mean, that, that's all this comes down to. It depends on who's there. You know, there are some guys, you know, like Booth, like a job, but like Lindbaum, like Nathan said, that if they're there, you know, regardless, you're like, okay, yeah, I want him. Gordon, it, it just depends. I, I feel like a lot of teams would have to have a pretty big reach for Kyle Gordon to be like uh, our BPA for our system at 31. Let me clarify and, and saying uh, we're going to rank all these 10 guys at the end of the podcast. I should have told you guys that beforehand, but oh, okay. I think we're going to, okay. we're going to give our list one to 10. I think of what we would think of it at pick, uh, at, uh, at, you know, pick 31 uh, after this, but yeah, I, I do like that. Uh, I do like both of your assessments on Kyler Gordon. He is six foot flat and 194, so about the same size as Andrew Booth in terms of size, which is, you know, again, not huge, but I do think that he makes up for it in what we kind of uh, see in his even though he was not, I guess, the fastest guy, uh, according to his pro day and combine numbers, I do think his film, he shows up to be an insane athlete. I, I really did notice that jumping off film from Kyler Gordon. I think that he's more of a, um, I do think he's capable of playing inside and out, kind of similar to how I think both McDuffie and McCreary are. But unlike McDuffie and McCreary, I do think he also has the size to be able to at least stick with some bigger corners, or bigger wide receivers, excuse me, at the next level. Um, I, I really, really liked his ability to, uh, again, be able to stay glued to guys who are able to get deep. You know, we, we, we often see uh, zero seers in the NFL getting behind the guys. And we know this is the Chiefs. The Chiefs' entire game plan is to get speedy receivers who can get behind your corners and, and beat them deep. I don't think Kyler Gordon is going to be a guy that allows that a lot in the NFL. Ironically enough, I do think Kyler Gordon is very similar to a guy we already have on our roster and Chidobe Awuji in the way they play. I do think they are both similar in high. I, I think Awuji might be a little bit taller, um, but I, I, I think in terms of how they play the game and and making and kind of almost trying to stay glued, glued to got to the guy the entire time but also being able to have the agility and speed to be able to beat get down there deep and be able to at least stay glued to the man deep as well i, I do think they do some are kind of I view them as kind of similar in a way at cornerback. I, I do think, um, you know, I, I'm not the highest on Kyler Gordon as well. I think we can all agree that this might be option nine or 10 on this list, but I do think Kyler Gordon is certainly going to be an interesting option at 31 because I do think the scheme fit and, and being similar to Chibé Wujie plays to be a, a pretty important factor in my eyes whenever I think Lure in a room is going to watch him on film. Uh, and I think unlike Trick McDuffie, he has the ability, I think, to better play outside corner. I think next level, I think McDuffie's probably going to be the better slot corner for sure. I think it's a good argument to make Kyler Gordon be the better outside guy, which is why I think he's going to be in play potentially at 31. So I think we can all agree that Kyle Gordon's a guy that is borderline, maybe – early mid round two as a prospect is that kind of where we're all at yeah that's that's what i'd say so ideally i think with kyler gordon you want to trade down uh if they were to get him i think if you're able to trade down from 31 that's ideal but at the same time um you know this is a team that is in need of corner i would argue it's the biggest need on the roster right now and i think there's a good argument to be made that if you know there is no Ky Kyrie elam or andrew booth on the board 
Tyler Gordon's probably our next most likely option at corner, which is why I wanted to include him in here. But we're going to move to another position, I think a, a very interesting position to also discuss, and that's three-tech, uh, defensive tackle specifically. And let's talk about Devontae Wyatt real quick. This is an interesting name that I have continued to change my opinion on a bunch through this podcast, like or through, through, through my page at least. I mean, Devontae Wyatt's a guy that literally every single week I have changed my opinion on and really wasn't sure whether or not I like this guy or not because there is a lot to – to you know kind of discuss with them so let's let's uh let's talk about how Devontae Wyatt is a very very I think when it comes to technique he's a very promising defensive tackle but not a lot of production through college and, and played it with a very very strong Georgia defensive line that I think kind of carried him at least in my eyes for the most part but I, I don't want to disrespect him because what we saw from Devontae Wyatt was definitely impressive what what I see with Wyatt um He's a, he's a really good run defender. He's a phenomenal run stopper. And when it comes to the pass, he's to, the, to pass rushing, he's like, he's got a ton of moves. He can pull off, you know, snatch and pulls. He can pull off spin moves. He can pull off swim moves. He can pull off a whole bunch of different, different type of moves. And he has a really wide assortment and array of different things he can do. Um, and he, and he, on film, he's been successful with them too. Like he hasn't, he's not just trying a whole bunch of different things and failing. He's done it on tape and successfully beat his blocker. However, he never finishes. I think he had 2.5 sacks this year, but he's beaten linemen way more than just 2.2, the, the, way more than just three times. It's, He's he's able to beat blockers very often, but he's not able to complete the play. A lot of the times I'd see on film, he'd beat the blocker and then stumble right after beating him, chasing the quarterback. He'd stumble, not able to get his balance because he was swinging his arms everywhere trying to get past the blocker. He, he over-pursues the quarterback. The quarterback takes like a step to the side and he goes flying by. There's, there, there's a lot of promise with his pass rushing, but he's not able to complete plays. And I've, I haven't been able to see, you know, a ton of finish, a ton of finish plays, a ton of ability to finish plays. However, with that being noted, he has immense up. He has immense athleticism. He has really fluid hips. On my Twitter, I actually posted a clip. I don't know the name of the drill but you're literally just running zigzags through bags. And for someone who's over 300 pounds, I believe, being able to move as fluidly as he did in that clip is very impressive. Also in, I forget which game it was, but it was against Alabama in um, the playoffs. There was, there was a play where he was a QB spy on uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young took off. Wyatt fell down. So now Bryce Young has a head start, and Wyatt still gets up, chases him down, and strips him. And the, and Georgia gets the fumble. He's in a very impressive athlete, and that athleticism plus the wide array of pass rush moves he has, the the potential for his for his pass rushing is very immense. And that's what a lot of people like about him. I feel like him as a player is not necessarily that great, 
if if we're buying him right now at 31, I don't really want it. Like if we're getting the player he is right now forever at 31, I don't want it at all. But the, it's the upside I'm buying into. If I take him, it's the upside. Yeah, I'm with Nathan here. I really like Javante Wyatt. Um, and I'm gonna, you know, when I was watching Jordan Davis play. I, you know, he just he just popped off film to me. I was like, whoa, that's pretty good. I had to do a little bit more research on him. Um, completely terrorized Kentucky, by the way. Gave us the business. I was not very happy watching that film, but that's not the point. Um, like I didn't say, he's over 300 pounds, right? You know, he's not like he's always oh, he's 250 and he's fast for that, and he just has small size. Now he's a big boy, but like he's quick. Um, I mean, Georgia uses him in a variety of ways. Georgia places him pretty much everyone's line of scrimmage besides cornerback. And like they even said, sometimes drop him in the QB spy. So he's very – he does a lot of things. He's quite the versatile individual. And he's talented. He, he's got a larger, rare pass rush moves. And I think if you look at the guys with how they fit on the roster, you know, I think we've kind of mentioned that with the past three guys, why it fits really good. Like DJ Reader is one of the best nose tackles in the game. But he's not really a, a – a pass rushing kind of guy, you know, he's more of a run stopper and, you know, he's just, you're just not going to move him. He's going to be an annoyance all game, but if I'll tell you why, he's got a pass moves. And if you're dealing with DJ reader, right. I think it's similar to how he's right now calls Jordan Davis. Um, if you're dealing with a guy like uh, Jordan Davis, like DJ, reader, who's an absolute problem. Right. And you know, you're probably going to pay some more attention to him. Right. So if you're not blitzing, you're trying to pick up the best player, which is Jordan Davis slash DJ reader. Right. Um, but then you have Devontae Wyatt, who he's big in his own right. So if he's actually going to overpower your guard slash center, whatever, whatever you want to pull or whatever, um, he, he's going to use his large array of pass moves to get past you. He creates a problem, right? And like Nathan said, you know, he's he's not exactly, you know, a, a Jordan Davis-level player right now, right? But you don't see Jordan Davis-level, uh, you know, big guys in the middle all the time. But the upside he has, when you think about his speed with the size, with his technique in the pass rush, I, I'm very excited for Devontae Wyatt could be as a pro. I didn't want to inter- interrupt you, but I did want to clarify. Um, I'm not really that high on Wyatt. I think he's got really good potential, but uh, I, I view him as a kind of kind of a early to mid second guy. I'm not. I'm really. I'm not necessarily super low on him, but I just, eh, whatever. I'm going to add our next prospect that we're going to discuss into this topic as well, because I, I really want to compare these two. Uh, the other guy I want to mention is DeMarvin Liao. And, and the reason why I want to mention both of these guys is because I think when you look at Liao and Devontae Wyatt, both of them have a lot of potential in the passing in the pass rush. I think we both can clearly see that. Wyatt's a little bit bigger, uh, I think, and is more suited for the three-kick position because it kind of feels like DeMarvin Liao is almost sort of a tweener. You know, he, he can play edge, he can play three-tech maybe. He's a little bit undersized on the inside, a little bit big for the outside. He's kind of in that awkward middle stage. Um, Devontae Wyatt's an interior rusher. He's going to be playing three-tech for sure. That's that's just where he's at. Uh, and, and I think it's a big reason why people really value him in this draft because – Let's be real, but there's not a lot of three techs in this class. You look at, you know, guys like Fedarian Mathis, Travis Jones, Jordan Davis, you already mentioned. A lot of these guys are nose tackles, really. And, you know, a couple guys like Perrion Winfrey maybe are, are, can play three tech, but aren't really traditional three techs either. I, I really see Devontae Wyatt and DeMarvin Leal being the really only two realistic options at the top of the draft being three techs. So talking about both these guys are, are, kind, are kind of interesting because I think if Cincinnati is set on taking a three tech in this class, it will be one of these two guys. And I, I think unlike... DeMarvin Lee Al, 
uh, Devontae Wyatt did not show the production and pass rush that I was hoping he would whenever I watched his film. Now, again, Nathan did another film review of this guy, so I got to give credit to you. Uh, you could you could tell by Devontae Wyatt's abilities. He, he, has, he has some really, really good pass rush moves. He, he gets past the guards a lot. He's able to make penetration and, and make the quarterbacks uncomfortable. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't really finished with a lot of sacks. And I do think that is a cause for concern for me because that was not a problem at all for DeMarvin Leal, who got seven or eight sacks, I believe, this season alone um, as an interior rusher. So he is definitely capable of getting to the quarterback and finishing. But, you know, we, we saw Devontae Wyatt with the – with a guy that's going to be a top five pick in this upcoming draft and Trayvon Walker and I would say a generational nose tackle in Jordan Davis so even though he made a lot of good moves I do like the technique he has I think he's capable in the passing pass rush I think he's a very very good run stopper for a three tech as well do you think that there is a cause for concern about you know maybe was he carried a little bit by the guys around though do you think there's a lot of the credit he got was mainly due to Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker because I kind of get that idea whenever I watch him I'm not saying that's the entire case but if you asked me out of the three guys I scouted who was at least who was I least impressed with on the defensive line it was definitely Wyatt and I think I, I, I can definitely tell that Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis are two were both better on the interior than Demonte Wyatt so I do think that for me I'm concerned about that because Marvin Leal was the guy at Texas A&M on the interior he made the plays and I, I really really think you could you compare them Wyatt's definitely a better athlete I think it's why a lot of people have Wyatt higher now because Marvin Leal had a pretty disappointing pro day this week but I do think in terms of what I saw through film I was overall more impressed with Leal than I was Devontae Wyatt um I I I agree to an extent I feel like Leal is definitely a better better pass rusher but I feel like uh Wyatt overall just has more percent both in the run game and uh pass pass rush I feel like he just has more potential and I feel like I feel like he's a little more well-rounded because I, I just like his um I like his ability to stop the run a lot more than um uh da, 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 Leal. But however, like you said, playing alongside Walker and Davis definitely definitely has an effect. Not so much on passing, because I feel like you know you're going one-on-one with your guy, it doesn't really matter. Two or majority of snaps, it's not going to really matter who's rushing next to you. Um, it's it's you versus your blocker, and obviously there are going to be some plays where maybe Walker comes in from the side, forces the QB to take a couple steps to the right, and he ends up right in Wyatt's path. Um, obviously, there's going to be plays like that, but for the great majority of the time, I feel like in pass rush, it's literally just. The blocker versus the pass rusher. It's straight up who wins. If there's a double team, then that's that. So I feel like Jordan Davis definitely pulls a lot more double teams. But overall, I, I wouldn't say Walker and Davis affected um, Wyatt's ability in, or, or carried his, his performance as a pass rusher that much. There wasn't much performance to even be spoken of. Um but I feel like in the run game, that's definitely something you have to keep in mind, playing with the nose tackle as good as Davis. How much of this run stopping can you really credit to Wyatt? What if, how, how much of it is just Davis blowing up a play, N- not, not necessarily getting the tackle himself, but causing the pressure 
and the disruption that leads to Wyatt getting the tackle. It's definitely something to keep in mind with Wyatt, but I'm, I, I still like Wyatt more than Liao as a complete player. So you guys both make very interesting points, very intriguing points. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. So I do think there's something to be said about if, you know, uh, Walker is a product of the guys being around him. You know, that, that Georgia defense from on every level is absurdly talented. Right? One of the best I've seen in my very small lifetime. Um, and with Liao, like Blake said, Liao's the guy, right? If there is a double on the field, it's going to Marvin Liao. Um, but like Blake also said, he's in that little tween stage, right, where, you know, he, he, he's really big for the outside. You know, it's not bad because he's fast. It's not like he can't play outside because he's too slow or anything. But he, he's big, right? He's like really good size for a five-tag, anybody on the outside, right? Kick him inside. He can still be effective, but he's a little small. You're relying on him to, you know, kind of get his arms up there and kind of, you know, do a little swift move, you know, gets the arms off him, kind of uses speed to get inside or just anywhere to the quarterback. Um, but here's a right with Walker. I mean, not Walker, uh, Wyatt. Um, first of all, I think it's right to say that Walker and uh, Wyatt, Wyatt and Davis, excuse me, are both better than uh, Walker. Um, even though I don't really see the uh, top five upside we have with Walker, right? And some people put in a mock desk. I don't really see that. He doesn't Walker. I mean, he's better than Wyatt, excuse me. W's are just get me all discombobulated. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, Davis, better than him. Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, but I think we got to keep in mind with Jordan Davis, right? It's one of the biggest cons is that Jordan Davis is a big boy, right? He's an extra big boy. The problem with that is he'll be on uh, every third down, right? He's not an every down player. He takes his breathers, right? Because, again, he's a big fella. Um, and I feel like on some of those third downs where I feel like why, you know, besides Walker, his best player on that Georgia D line has shown that he doesn't really need Jordan Davis to be productive, right? I mean, stats wise, you know, the, the production isn't there, right? Like we said, the small sack numbers, but like, look on film, you look at the to the moves he applies, he's still, you know, causing trouble in the backfield, you know, he, he's still getting past guys, you know, run game or pass game, and he's causing problems, right? Now, granted, again, Jordan Davis does help him, right? Let's not be around the bush. Um, I brought up the same one, DJ Reader. DJ Reader would help him out. Let's let's not act like he wouldn't. But I definitely think this isn't the thing where it's like, oh, you know, he's just a product of, you know, guys around him getting to him coverage. Are they helping him? Yes. But at the same time, I feel like his threat to how he plays so well off a guy like Jordan Davis is also helping them out as well. So I think they all kind of play into each other on the Jordan defense. I, Georgia defense, not Jordan Davis. Um, they all kind of play into each other. I don't really think there's, you know, a, a big, you know, Carry job isn't the word, but just, you know, somebody that's really just helping anybody else out. I think they all kind of play off each other. Um, so I also like Wyatt. You know, I'm high on Wyatt. I think he's a first-round guy. Um, at this exact second, Leal's probably better. But I think the upside is so much greater with Wyatt that I, I'd rather have Wyatt on my team. It's a tough conversation for me. I actually have Devontae Wyatt graded higher on my big board. And so let me, let me clarify when I say this. I know I just said I prefer Leal. Um I do think when, according to how my grade sheet was for interior defensive linemen, it better suited Devontae Wyatt than it did to Marvin Leal. See, in, in my eyes, I think for the Bengals, you're looking for an extra pass rusher in that interior. You already have your elite run stuffer and DJ Reader, and I also think BJ Hill for a three takes a pretty solid run stopper as well. You also have Sam Hubbard, who's a very, very well-known great run stopper. I think Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt for linebackers are also great run stoppers. So you really don't need great run stoppers on this team in my eyes. I do think, you know, I think you're looking at balance in terms of balance. Devontae Wyatt might be a better option than Marvin Leal. 
I just loved Marvin Leal's pass rush upside that he has. So I, I, though I will, uh, will agree, I do think what uh, I believe what Will said, uh, maybe uh, Devontae White might have the higher ceiling than DeMarvin Leal. Um, I, I do think the idea of being a better pass rusher, I do think, I, I trust personally DeMarvin, DeMarvin Leal to both have the higher floor and possibly even higher ceiling as well as a pass rusher due to what I've already saw in college. I mean, this dude's made a lot of different great plays. He's very, very good with technique, I think. He's able to really get through the guard and tackle or or, or whatever, honestly. I, I do think the ability to also be able to kick outside and also win on the outside off the edge is also just so enticing for me. Um, I, I really, really do think that maybe in terms of being a pure backup to BJ Hill, Devontae Wyatt would make more sense. But as an extra pass rusher on the interior, I just really like the prospect of Marvin Lee out. And I'm very, very high on both. I really do think that both could be great options for 31. Um, I, I would probably prefer Lee out, like I said, if I had to choose. But I would also be very, very happy with Devontae Wyatt, who I think is another guy that, you know, it, there's a good chance to be made that, I mean, this guy maybe goes top. 20 with his talent i think what we saw from his pro day uh, i do think a lot of people are really really excited about how he's tested and what he's looking like right now and in terms of a prospect uh, compared to what you know the actual player was of liao who might not be the best athlete but had a very very good film that'll be all for this episode of the podcast make sure you follow me on my instagram at stripe pipe cincy and on twitter at blake 714 go follow nathan on his instagram at cincy underscore bingles underscore daily and on his, on an, on his twitter at nathan amsden nfl and go follow will on his instagram at who they underscore all day on instagram and at william c james 23 on twitter thank you guys for tuning in again make sure you check out our next episode coming out tomorrow to do the final five prospects before we grade our top 10 guys uh, accordingly and we'll talk about another episode a little bit later about our dark horses as well that we will um, try to do hopefully here in a couple of days thank you guys so much for listening and have a wonderful day